This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. The time has come. I like that. The time is now for Victoria Stilwell's Positively Podcast. She's a world-renowned dog trainer. Seen enough dogs today, have you? She's the host of It's Me or the Dog. I'm coming to train you. Along with co-host Holly Furfer. You don't play around with that name, do you? I am a fan of sweaty balls. She's Victoria Stilwell, and she's ready, ready to go. go. This is a lovely way to start the day. You get the busy bee. I need to trim her whiskers. I see some poo here. I feel a little bit better now because I'm the only one who usually feels stupid during the podcast. Now, let's head to the studio and get this Positively Podcast started. And surprise, look who it is. It's Victoria and Holly and the Victoria and Holly Fun Hour. We are back again. <laughs> it is fun. It's always the best time when you come here. I just mean, you know, we get to hang out. We just talk dogs. I know. The funny thing is we should record our conversations before we record our conversations uh-huh. because we're like, and this and that and this and that. And then it's like, hello. Yeah, I don't know. But sometimes it probably would not be good. I mean, it wouldn't be good to kind of, you know. That's true. We do that tell secrets. Exactly. I'm kidding. How are and, you? Oh, I'm good. I'm yes. good. You've been traveling. Uh, yeah, as have you. Yes. You seem to every major event that happens in the <laughs> United States, you seem to be there. I have a front row to history sometimes. You yeah? do. And it is fast. I mean, you have a fascinating job. I love it. And you get to travel to all these incredible places and you get to cover very important stories. Yes. And, um, it's amazing. Know. Yeah. Hurricanes, hurricanes, earthquakes, floods, you name it. But uh, Hurricane Irma was the bane of my existence. Um, but we, we have learned something about me since Hurricane Irma. If you don't want a hurricane to come to you, send me. Because uh, just to, in short order, we didn't really know where this hurricane was going. And everyone kept saying, oh, it's going to hit Florida. And they sent all these CNN troops down to southern Florida, Miami, and, you know, that whole Fort Lauderdale, that whole area. And then they said, all right, Holly, though, we're not sure. We're going to need to keep someone back to be the chase team. So even if it does hit Miami, it may skirt the coast and then make landfall, kind of like Matthew did last year, and make landfall somewhere, you know, from northern Florida to the Carolinas to Georgia, you know, somewhere in that area. Oh, okay, no problem. So on Friday, they're like, okay, it looks like Jacksonville Beach is going to be where it's going to make landfalls. We're like, okay, so we get in and we get to Jacksonville Beach. And, you know, you kind of wait. And I'm like, oh, this is so nice. We have a hotel on the beach on the water. I have a high school friend who came to see. Next morning, I wake up. They're like, it's ticking west. Go to Orlando. We're like, okay. We pack up the car. And we drive to Orlando. And we're like here. And everybody's in Orlando. And people are sure to come to Orlando. And we're in a hotel with all the evacuees who thought the lobby was their living room. But that's another story. And uh, they let dogs. I met a lot of really cool dogs. There's me. You know, I'm like, you know, I'm the crazy later. I'm like, oh, I like your baby. What kind of dog is that? Right? <laughs> so we were in Orlando. And then we go to sleep thinking, okay, the hurricane's going to come. The next day, we wake up. And they're like, oh, my God, it's going west. Go to Tampa. Tampa's grounds. So we get in the car, we go to Tampa, and we get there, and everybody else is there, and you know, like they're setting crews there. And then we're about to go to sleep because we have an early, early call. Like I get up at 1 a.m., 2 a.m. to start reporting when it's supposed to come in. And it's about like 9 o'clock. And they're like, oh, no, it's going east. It's going back to Orlando. And I'm like, I am not getting in a car with 90 mile an hour winds and driving to Orlando. So uh, I ended up in Tampa. And thankfully, it wasn't really bad there. But then I woke up the next day and they were like, eh, it's okay. And they're like, oh, my God, Jacksonville's flooding. Go to Jacksonville. So we get in the car and we drive to Jacksonville. By the time we get there, we're like, eh, there's a little bit of flooding left. (laughs) So I called it the, I can swear, right? The shitty refrigerator magnet tour of Florida. Every place you can get a crappy refrigerator magnet, I was there. (laughs) 
Holly, yeah. that's just the best. That's my dream. Seriously, that's a that's a great thing. So with <laughs> any other hurricane or anything mm. natural pretend, pending disaster coming into this landmass, if they send you, it's yeah, that's right. Really like I, I'm the opposite of Shelley Winters. Like if Shelley Winters comes on my plane, I'm getting off. If Shelley Winters is on my cruise, I'm getting off. But if I come on, you're like, we're good. Nothing's gonna happen. Just keep me close. <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, terrible. so that was uh yes, but uh. Yeah. That, no, that, you know what? That, that sounds so much more exciting than what, what I was doing. Well, no, Here's no. the problem, though. Mm-hmm. I, I will tell you, there is what? a small problem for me. Because when you're sitting around waiting for a hurricane, like, and, and um, especially for cruise, you load up on snacks, right? So the first thing you do when you get in town when you're a TV cruise, you get toilet paper and you get snacks. And, of course, me, I have to get the little Starbucks in a can, right? Because I can't, you know, because if you don't have hot water, if you don't have water, right? And so you get snacks. So we have, like, I kid you not, a Yukon full of snacks or, like, a Suburban, right? And we have so many snacks. And then we missed the hurricane. So all I did all weekend was resist eating the hurricane snacks. Like, and seriously, like, it was Swedish fish and cheese. It's because you never oh, get stuff like that. And gosh. I know. And you're like, what can we get that's, that's easy to make, whatever? And I don't eat meat. So everyone's getting jerky. And I'm like, you know, you can only have so many almonds, right? Or peanuts. So I'm like, how about Swedish fish? Like, honest to goodness, it was like, that's all we did. We ate our way through Florida too. I was like, so if you ask me, I'm like, oh, Jacksonville was really good. It was Triscuits. And then like Orlando was great, Swedish fish. And then, you know, Tampa. Oh, I got to love Tampa Pringles. So that's how I associate because I'm a food person anyway. So. Well, you know what? I think anytime you film anywhere because they have snacks, I mean, the whole thing is snacks. Yes, you have it? a craft or food table. you have a craft food table. Mm-hmm. You could eat all day. So in fact, when you're filming, you can put on so much weight and lots of people do. And it's the only time that anyone ever cooks for you <laughs> or gets food for you. Right. So you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have as much of this as I can. So then you, uh, yeah, you come back weighing a lot more than you did when well, you first started filming. But anyway, well, that well, sounds, I mean, that's just amazing. You, when you filmed, I got fat. <laughs> because when you, when that's how I first met you, right? Doing the show, it's Mirror yes. the Dog. You profiled our monstrous mutts and you kept the craft food table service, whatever. They had snacks in our garage in because garage. that was your, and so I swear to God, not as much as Sean, but in the middle of the night, we'd be like, I think they had ding dongs. And we're like, if we just move stuff around, they won't know if we take a ding dongs and a Snickers. And we'd like go out in the garage and it was such torture not to raid the garage full of snacks. Oh, uh, yeah, I know. So I'd be like, well, there's a peach in the refrigerator. <laughs> like maybe we should have that. Isn't it? Why is it that the good food really doesn't taste as good as that? I mean, you know, if mm. I go into my fridge, um, do I go towards the apple or do I go towards <laughs> the banana bread that I made or the right. the chocolate cookies? And shopping's so emotional lunch. because I go to the grocery store, I'm like, I'm going to eat healthy and I'm getting kale and Ugh. raisins and all this good stuff. And then I put in the refrigerator, I'm so proud of myself. And then two days later, I'm like, what am I thinking? Yeah. And, I, and then you do. And I'm like, I have kale that I end up throwing out because it sits there for four days. I but every time, and it all it does is increase my electric bill because every other 20 minutes, I'm opening it up to see if something magically appeared that would be better in my refrigerator than the kale and the raisins. So all I do is end up paying more for that. <laughs> Seriously. I just Can want you, you to know that this, this podcast is not about dogs at all. We're just talking about food and hurricanes and all kinds of things. I know, but or I think people... I should say. Yeah, hurricane. Hurricanes. I like that, hurricanes. We say hurricanes in the UK. But, you know, okay, so um, hurricanes, um, but it is important because we did talk about hurricanes and rescue last podcast with Heather, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, people, I think, learn from that, and it's a big issue, and hurricane season is never going away. I mean, it doesn't, it's always going to be there. So I think, I think 
dog people can understand all aspects of hurricanes. Yeah, and so do you like that stretch? Yes, yeah, so, yeah, you did like. Yeah, you did. You kind of did that beautiful segue. You see, you've been radio DJ for you so like long. You know exactly. In an anchor, you you can do it so long. But okay. A lot of dogs, a lot of dogs needed rescuing. Mm-hmm. A lot of dogs, in fact, a lot of the shelters here in Atlanta took dogs uh, before the hurricane hit. Where they got them out. And it took mm-hmm. from Houston and from um, all of the other areas. To empty shelters, too. Empty shelters there so that there would be spaces for the dogs down there to go to. And so, and then, you know, there's a whole load. And so, in fact, I know Gwinnett um, County Animal Shelter, they took in a whole load of dogs there from uh, Savannah, from mm from that part just mm-hmm. in case and uh, a lot of those were adopted which is great it's great um, but they did they opened their doors and mm-hmm. which which is fantastic i think in in times like these people come together we know that don't we mm-hmm. um but just it was interesting because i uh, i've done a lot of work with lifeline animal project and mm-hmm. lifeline animal project is a uh, organization that has taken over um, it has its own shelter, but it's taken over two municipal shelters, one in DeKalb County and one in Fulton County, and they mm-hmm. really turned these shelters around. They've turned these shelters around that literally had a massive kill rate, wow. and they've, they've taken it to a no-kill status. Um, but what's happening, unfortunately, <coughs> is there are still so many dogs coming in. So mm-hmm. they do do a lot of work, outreach work in the community, and they are trying to educate people, and they are trying to offer low-cost spay and neuter and all of that kind of good stuff, which is great, and we love Lifeline. Um, but I loved the video they just did. Mm-hmm. And um, if you go hashtag dismiss the myth, you'll be able to see it. Or if you go to life, um, life, lifelineanimal.org, you'll be able to see it. And what it is, it's about, you, you know... I mean, you've heard Mm -hmm. that people will go, well, I don't want to go to a shelter because all of those dogs have emotional baggage. Mm. All of those dogs have behavioral issues. All of those dogs are too old. Uh, Or, um, well, as in the case of Atlanta here, yes, there are lots of bully breeds, but I'm not going to go to the shelter because it's all bully breeds. Well, Mm -hmm. stop for a second. In fact, what they found is that um, in 2017... uh, a study was done for just since Mm -hmm. you know for the for the last this last year the number one reason that animals were relinquished to shelters was because of housing issues people uh moving Mm -hmm. or people renting uh, moving to rent accommodation and they can't take animals or the landlord says you can't have an animal anymore that's the number one reason why animals are relinquished to shelters not because of behavioral problems not because they're old and nobody wants them and so that's why we don't want people not to go to shelters we don't we i don't mind really good breeders i have nothing against really good breeders Mm -hmm. and, and and i absolutely support them but i do have something against pet stores mm-hmm. and um, selling puppies, and we all we all know that. In fact, um, next week or next podcast, we're going to talk about that whole puppy mm-hmm. mill industry. Right. But um, so so if you go to dismiss the myth, um, you'll see a great video that basically tells you and shows what amazing pets rescue animals make. And please go down to your shelter. Please adopt, don't shop. That's what we're urging you to do because these animals desperately need you. And if you can't adopt, why don't you try fostering instead? Mm-hmm. Now, you've had an experience of fostering, right. haven't you? And I'm a foster fail. I know. And we talked about this, you and I. I'm it sounds negative too. because fail has so many negative connotations to it, right? Right. But um, foster failing is the best thing that can ever happen to a person and a dog and a family, right? So and exactly what you speak to. So Kashmir, the love of my life, she was in uh, the, she was at the Humane Society or one of the shelters. 
And there was a friend of mine who had a rescue, and she got a phone call like at 8 o'clock at night. And this woman who was volunteering at the shelter, who worked at the shelter, said, Oh my gosh, I'm heartbroken. We have this beautiful young dog here. It's a puppy, and she's on the euthanasia list. She's on the kill list for tomorrow morning, for tomorrow. And she's the sweetest dog, and she's the cutest dog, and everybody fell in love with her. Is there any way you can take her? So my friend Karen said, Yes, I will come down. Oh, I'm sorry. She called her in the morning. That was it. And she was on the shelter for the next morning. So she said, yes, I'll come down on my way home. Can you stay? So it was maybe, uh, I'm sorry, it was a mistake. It was maybe like mid-afternoon. So she said, I don't want to risk trying to pick her up in the morning because if I hit traffic and I don't know what time, you know, they do the deed. And so she, this woman stayed at the shelter. Karen went and got her at like nine o'clock at night and brought her home. And then she was uh, with a foster. She had an adopted family, but it was right before July 4th. And so the family was going out of town. So they said, well, why don't you wait till you come back in town instead of taking her for three days, having to create, you know, put her somewhere, kennel her. And then so, but this person was, this foster was going out of town too, thinking that they were going to get it before the holidays. So they said, could you take her? I said, yes. The minute she walked in my house, she started playing with Barnsley. They were like thick as thieves. They ran around. Within 24 hours, we were like, there's no way. There's no way. And I'm like, sorry, family, who are going to adopt her? She's mine. And so we ended up keeping her, and it was the best decision ever. And all I could think about is she would have been put down that next day, and she is the sweetest, most loving, kindest, you know, the sweetest dog in the she universe. She is lovely. She is lovely. And that's that's the that's the tragedy. That's the tragedy. Mm-hmm. I'm a foster failure as well. We had uh, our cat Angelica just after 9-11. We were living in Manhattan mm. just after 9-11. Well, we lived in Manhattan during 9-11, obviously, but we got her, um, we rescued her from the shelter and she was just going to be a foster. And of course she stayed and then she stayed with us for years. God, we it. had her for a long, 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 long time. But yeah, so when I put a hot, this whole thing about foster failure on my Facebook, um, people were like, oh, that's terrible. That's a terrible thing yeah. to say that you're failing and fostering is not failing. It's a, right. But no, foster failure is a good term. Right. That's we need I to rename it. It's a good term. We do. So yeah, basically we've, we failed as fosters, which, which is, is a good, good thing. thing. Because we adopted. Exactly. And so they became our forever pets. They weren't just passing through. I have uh, friends, Steve and Heather Barnes, um, and they are really, um, in, they're really uh, big volunteers for fur kids and cats. They have a couple cats, and they bring in kittens all the time. Usually, it's kittens like you've done before, yeah. who are too young to yeah. be weaned, and you have to Alex hand feed them. Alex keeps on asking me for more. She just, cause she just, but you know, I've got a husband that's allergic, oh. and uh, so yeah, it's quite a big process when we bring kittens in. It's hard, but yeah, I'd have them all the time if I could. I'm thinking about it. Here's my problem. I would love to do it. I'd have to keep them separate because I have a 21, 20 working on 21 year old cat who's like, hey, and then the two dogs who just, I don't want to. You know, they can't, they want to play with them. But I could do it because I have extra rooms in the house. The only thing is, Sean is like, I know you and I have attachment issues. I admit it. My therapist said I have attachment issues. I understand. <laughs> and I don't want to give them up. Like, I get so, like, oh my gosh. And I so How can it's you? amazing. And I wish I could because you could do more for the animal community. Yeah, you I could. volunteered for the Humane Society once and they were like, maybe. 
you could just donate money because it was terrible. I would cry. I would want to take them home. Oh, it's it was- terrible. You know, when we were in Manhattan, uh, we had 40 dogs and cats going through our apartment. And we lived in a tiny little railroad, one-bedroom wow. railroad apartment in Midtown Manhattan. We still have that apartment, actually, in Midtown Manhattan. And we would have all manner of animals going through there. And we would get them all adopted. And Aww. their adopters would come to our apartment. And they would go out of the door. And there's video of me just crying. <laughs> just, you know, it's ridiculous. I remember. Remember Hank. Hank was a Shih Tzu. Oh my God! And Hank was so beautiful. He was such a mess, and I couldn't bathe him for a while. He was stinky. And anyway, Hank went to this wonderful woman. I was a mess. I was a basket case. But you know, all our fosters worked out. What happens when they don't? Mm -hmm. Sometimes fostering does not work out. Sometimes you'll get an animal into your home if you've got existing animals in the home. Mm -hmm. Uh, Your animals (laughs) say no way. Or the dog cat you've bought in does not like being there or mm-hmm. is you know don't worry you haven't if you if you have to give the foster back i know it's heart-wrenching maybe you can get another one in but don't stress your dogs or cats out don't stress the fosters out mm-hmm. and um make sure that when you do bring a foster animal in that your animals are happy with it and the rest of your family's happy with it because things right. can go wrong sometimes yeah and it's nobody's fault it just happens it is and you know i had when uh, we did a big puppy mill bus what three years ago and i fostered one of the pups mm-hmm. chihuahua the chihuahua mm-hmm. was called peanut and he was lovely and he had a huge marking issue well of course he was a breeding male mm-hmm. in this in this puppy farm and um, he was used to marking his territory, which was his little crate. Mm-hmm. Um, and he lived with two other females. And so, of course, he he marked a lot. And so you know, I had to train him and I had to put a belly band on mm-hmm. him to begin with and train him. And it took him a while to get to a home where I knew that he was going to be safe anyway. He found the perfect home. <laughs> but as a fosterer, I was I understood that behavior. I didn't mm-hmm. tell him off. I understood the behavior and I understood you know, what it was going to take to house train this dog that for years had been in a puppy mill in a cage and um, just peed everywhere. So it took a while uh, to house train him. And now he's just he's living in a lovely house with another chihuahua. And she sent me a Aww. picture recently <clears throat> of these two puppies just lying in the sun next Aww. together. They look like two fat sausages. <laughs> I love it's it. so cute. But, you know, you bring up a really good point. Um, fostering helps these animals get adopted. Because when you when you think about it, you know, especially, you know, some animals can go crazy. I mean, think about it. If you were in if you had to go stay in a in a cabin, say, you know, a camp and in in bunks or whatever in rooms where people were constantly talking and screaming and running around. Right. It would drive you crazy after a while. And especially if you came from if you somebody couldn't keep you in their apartment or their house anymore and you had been, you know, an owner surrender and not used to a shelter, it can be very disconcerting for the animals. And, you know, think about it, it makes them nervous. It can, you know, there's behaviors. So when you do take an animal in, you help them. You know, in, or you can correct bad behaviors so that they're more adoptable. Absolutely. And you help them transition. So you yes. help them transition from a shelter life to a, a normal life in the home, which means that when they go to their new home, that transition is going to be so much easier. Right. And hopefully they're going to stay there because that's right. what we want. We don't want animals yo-yoing from shelter to home and then back to the shelter again. That's just the worst thing that can happen to them. So, um yeah. So if you're a fosterer out there, bless you, bless you, bless you. I know. Please I love you. Please keep doing it. Mm-hmm. We love you so much. And if you're a foster failure, hey, join the ranks. It's cool. 
Um, now, name, uh, tell us the hashtag again. The hashtag is, is dismiss the myth. I like Take that. Take a look. And what's their website again? It's lifeline dot oh, sorry, life. Oh, hold on, I got to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so old. It's okay. It's lifeline animal dot org. Perfect. Hey, you got something on your mind? Are you a wizard and genius? How do they make a miniature? I mean, is there some way, some process they they physically miniaturize the dog, or is it a puppy, or what? What the devil is going on? That's a really good question. I've got my work cut out for me here. Next time you want to know something, can you repeat the yes. question? Why don't you ask Victoria? She's the expert with this kind of stuff, you know. Uh, you obviously don't dog. know my dog. Just ask Victoria. You know, a well-trained dog is a dog that can go anywhere with you, from walking paths to mountain peaks and everything in between. Exploring the world together is one of the most fun parts of being a dog owner. That's why Zooks created a line of delicious, healthy, natural training dog treats to fuel life's adventures. They're made with Earth's best ingredients in trail-tested recipes dogs love, like peanut butter, salmon, even chicken and chickpea. Check out their entire line of dog treats and more at zooks.com. And instead of sit and stay, let's go. Okay, now it's time to pick your brilliant brain. All right. It's Ask Fire Victoria. Away. Okay. Um, let's start with Joan Blake. She is from Wellwyn Garden City, Ontario. Wellin Garden. Wellin Garden City, Ontario, UK. Uh, it's at Country UK, but I thought Ontario was Canada. So did I. Well, well, well in Garden City is in the UK. It's okay. coastal. Wherever. We'll <laughs> but Joan has a nine-month-old mini dashi. She okay. just got uh, the dashi a few days ago. Yeah. The owner needed to rehome him as her older dogs were bullying him. Okay. I expected him to be scared of other dogs, but he's scared of everything, hiding under furniture and sometimes Aww. peeing in the house. Aww. It's early days, and I'm ignoring him, not pestering him or trying to pick him up to allow him to settle and get used to me. He's getting to like me and actually enjoys a short walk at quiet times. Am I doing the right thing? I don't want to make him any more anxious than he is. Did she say that they, she he has uh, she has other dogs in there? Yes, house? and those were the dogs. Uh, they she were yes, picking but, on him. Uh, no, the other the the original owner had dogs that were bullying him, so she uh, had to get him. Um, okay. So I don't know if she has other dogs. I don't think so. Oh, she okay. just has him, but now he's just scared of everything. So I think she's just trying to let him get settled without getting in his face. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, don't give up on him. What we were just actually what we're talking about is pretty pertinent, isn't it? Mm -hmm. You know, when you foster animals and stuff, and then you or you have a new dog that's coming into your house, it are going to be. Uh, depending on the dog's personality, depending on what the dog has gone through before, mm -hmm. there might be things that you're going to have to go through, but stick at it. Because it sounds like if this dog is already coming round, mm -hmm. then this he dog is going to be successful. He likes those walks. And um, I love for for animals when they newly come into the home it's just take pressure off and I think she's doing the right thing just let him be mm -hmm. let him discover his environment let him sniff around let him do whatever make sure that he goes out enough to potty outside if he does potty inside don't tell him off just you know try remove him or get him to come outside again take him for walks get that nose going get that that dopamine flowing in the brain you know when dogs are in their seeking mode the neurotransmitter dopamine 
dopamine, which makes, which is kind of your pleasure chemical, mm -hmm. gets released into the brain, makes dogs feel good. So oh. any kind of seeking behavior that your dog can do inside and out of the house is a really, really good, especially for dogs that are nervous, kind of scent games, nose games. So putting food in toys and hiding toys around and getting the dog to go find it, all those kind of things will... A, kind of relieve stress, but also give your dog, make your dog feel good, give your dog something to do. And I think after a while, your dog is going to come around. If your dog's already coming around now, it doesn't sound like it's been a long time, I think you'll be fine. Great. Good to know. All right, Joan, hopefully that helps. Um, here's one. This is from James Shaw, and James is in Summershade, Kentucky. And uh, he says, hello, Victoria. I'm searching the web for answers, and your site came up. We have a large European Doberman male, three years old. We've had him for about six months, and he doesn't like kids. He snapped at my son the first weekend we were here because he wasn't used to highly active kids. I let him pass on that one, thinking he would get used to our kids. I was away in, on business this week, and my wife called me at 3 in the morning, and this dog has attacked one of our girls while they were sleeping. I can't have him around my kids like this, and was... Uh, wondering if you had any insight on this and maybe a lead towards a fix. I'm positive it was probably something in his past, but I have no way of knowing. I wonder how old his children are, does he say? No, but he does say they're highly active. Yeah, so they're probably relatively young. Mm -hmm. um, and whilst the kid was sleeping, I wonder if it was the kid sleeping in the kid's own bedroom and the dog was just hanging out there with the dog on the bed. Uh, was the kid just sleeping on the sofa, just taking a nap? Or was the dog mm -hmm. there? But... And attacking what kind was it? Did, did it bite it? Did it bite the child? Were there injuries? What kind of bite? Was it a snap? Was um, it even a bite when you say attacking? Was it just growling and pawing? Yeah, I've was seen it them lunging? do that. Um, this, this, you know, he's a large dog. Mm -hmm. And with small children, uh, I am of the opinion that you, unfortunately, you know, mm -hmm. for all the other animal people out there, I'm really sorry, but the kids come first. Mm -hmm. And um, this worries me. Mm -hmm. This worries me, especially if the children are young. Now, if the kids are 13, 14, 12, right, and, you know, and then you can talk to them and they, you can teach them how to behave around the dog right. and maybe you can get the dog more uh, acclimated to the kids have the kids involved a little bit in the training so that the dog sees that good things happen from them. Because we don't know how they introduced each other. Sometimes, no. you know, the kids are, oh, my gosh, and they're all over the dog, exactly. and the dog's freaking out. Exactly. I don't know. And it's so it's really difficult to know from that. But I would be concerned if your kids are young, if they're behaving well around the dog, but they're, again, sometimes just being kids, and your dog um, is snapping, or if your dog has bit, actually bitten them, that's something that you need to take very seriously. And I do think with these, yes, there's definitely a lot of training you can do. There's a lot mm -hmm. of behavior modification stuff you can do. But you also have to do management. Mm -hmm. Because you never know if that dog will go to its default behavior. And the default behavior is really the one, the, the sort of the f behavior it first did. So mm -hmm. therefore, it first learned. So therefore, you know, will it snap? Will it bite? Again, very probably yes. With even with behavior modification, it can, <clears throat> and that's why I'm really, really caution people to not go with trainers that say that they guarantee behavior. I can guarantee you, as a trainer, that I will teach your dog to sit, stay, and come where called. I can guarantee you that I can teach your dog to lie down and to do all kinds of really cool things. I can guarantee you that. 
But I can't guarantee how your dog will behave tomorrow or the next day because I don't know what environment your dog's going to be in, what mm-hmm. mood your dog's going to be in, if it's going to not feel well, if it's going to be in pain, if it's going to be in an environment that makes it feel uncomfortable. I don't know that and no trainer does. So I can't guarantee your dog's emotional response. I cannot do that, which means that you really have to look at the behavior, the injury, what happened before the triggers and if you can manage the problem so that dog and kids can live together quite happily great you can get a positive trainer to come in and help you and the kids and the dog gel great if you don't feel like you can then rehoming might be the option for this dog rehoming it into a home where there are no kids great can i ask a question can i do an ask victoria question yes um because this is going to be interesting i was um you were at my house not too long ago yeah and we have uh barnsley our coon hound our black and tan coon hound who has a bit of issues he's got you know he's very anxious and he's got some trigger issues we manage because you mentioned managing one of the things though and i'm pretty good about you know, okay, make sure, you know, watching him constantly. And I'm always, you know, trying to get him out of situations I know could be a problem. But you said something and I was really shocked. I'd never heard this before. When um, people come in and, you know, I, I make sure the introduction is like, oh, look, and, you know, it's my friend and he feels comfortable. And as soon as he comes in, there's many people who will lean on you. And he leaned on you and he knows you and he leans on me and he leans on Sean. And we're like, oh, you know, I always magically thought that was a protection thing but it was more of like a I like you like a hug dogs can't hug right when I come in cashmere will put her head to my through my legs and wag the tail and you said oh she's hugging you or she's trying to get close to you but this is something different and when you told me that I was a little shocked and I never heard of this behavior like yeah that. um leaning can be dogs can lean against you like some my Sadie especially large dogs like to lean mm-hmm. right um and it's kind of it's leaning next to their secure attachment it's leaning up to somebody that they love that mm-hmm. makes them feel safe and Jasmine actually because she's a little dog she doesn't lean but she'll sit on my foot so if she needs to be close to me, she'll come and sit right next to me and she will put her bottom on my foot. That's just the way she is. That's her version of leaning. So dogs can lean. It depends, you know, different environments or, or the situations. But with, with, um, and I'm sure that with Barnsley, he mm-hmm. leans against you and that is his lean. That's mm-hmm. his lean and it's his, his sort of safety thing. With me, it was different. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. It was controlling be- my behavior. Hmm. It was controlling where I was going. And some people call it the dominance lean. I don't like that that I don't like that phrase because it implies that the fact that the dog is trying to dominate me. No, no, no. He's not trying to dominate me, but he is trying to control my behavior because he feels a little bit insecure about me coming in. And, um, you know, you have to watch him with other people. Does he mm-hmm. do that with other people? Does mm-hmm. he lean against other people? Yes. Have you seen him do that? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And um, in cases where you've got a dog like Barnsley who is a little bit insecure mm-hmm. and not that social, um, social to a point, but not that social, he that that's his coping mechanism and in many dogs that's the way that they cope so i would definitely be very careful of barnsley Mm -hmm. especially around kids yeah and i mean you know that anyway you do that anyway Mm -hmm. with your nephew that comes in i think it's really important because i think the older he gets and we he has hip issues Mm -hmm. so a little bit of pain there i think the moody he could get and he has obviously his guarding issues as well so that um and i i have seen him kind of a little bit growly towards somebody and Mm -hmm. definitely yes you need you need to watch him interesting yeah i've never seen i never knew that about the leaning behavior i always thought that was a sweet thing but it's good to know because when i told some people they were like what i don't think people knew that that was a behavior yeah 
All right, I think we have time for one more quick question. Okay. Um, this is from Bethany Wagner. From uh, She's in Wabash, Indiana, mm-hmm. not too far from where I am. Uh, from. She says, I have a coworker who saved a dog from an abusive family. The poor deer was lit on fire and beaten while on a chain. Mm. Oh, boy. Mm. She's a German Shepherd Collie mix, and I was asked if I'd be willing to take her in because she's now having problems with going to the potty outside and isn't responding well to giving of treats and encouragement. So my coworker's losing hope and wanting to find a new owner that has the time to retrain her. Because I can't take her into my home due to the fact that I have five very young children, I thought I would ask you if there's anything my coworker can do for this poor dog before finding a suitable home for her. That's mm, a tough one because that is a tough one. You got a um, German Shepherd Collie mix anyway, so naturally quite sort of uh, predisposed. Could be, maybe not, but could be to maybe some nervous issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, quite fearful, and a dog that hasn't had. Uh, you know, has had an unpleasant past. Mm-hmm. So I think if your coworker doesn't have enough time for your dog, for the dog, then she definitely needs to find the dog somewhere else to go mm-hmm. and as soon as possible. Yeah. Because really this is the time now where you really need to help the dog. Mm-hmm. And if it's, and if she doesn't have time, then yes, to rehome as soon as possible. I mean, that's all I can say. And would she be better off finding like a single person or a couple without kids or other well, animals. Well, I think a couple without kids. Yeah, a couple without kids that have the time to devote to this to this dog. So you've mm-hmm. got two highly energetic breeds. You've got two very sensitive breeds as well. So it would be good. I mean, you, we all want, as when we're in rescue, we all want that perfect family. We want mm-hmm. that perfect person that can take in this dog. But this dog does need time and this dog needs attention. And so... In a calm situation, I would yes, think, too. Yeah, a, yeah. Absolutely. So I wish I could say more that this is what you should do this, this and this and this because it does I feel like that this dog's not even at that place yet where it can maybe go to a training class or just I mean, exercise is important. Your nose work again mm-hmm. as much as you can. Scent work is, is really good scent work games. You can go on my website positively.com and you can see some scent work games there. Um, any, anything like that that can get the dog's mind working is, is good and you, because you've got two working breeds and pretty pretty intelligent breeds mm-hmm. as well then um, maybe a little bit of training something like that to, to in a positive way try and get your dog's mind kind of focused on something good but it can be done it can be done oh yes it can be done you just need time and a lot of people because they're working mm-hmm. they don't have the time and so these babies they just get worse and worse and worse because you know they don't get given the life skills which to cope and which to be successful in the home so unfortunately Things mm-hmm. can get bad, but yeah. But if you find that, you do find that perfect person, yeah. which is out there, then yeah. she might have a wonderful, wonderful life. I hope so. Perfect. All right. Well, there you go. Look at that. All that time. We chatted, 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 and it's oh, like my mom says, where does the time go? Anyway, so we'll see you next podcast. Yes. The next podcast. I'm excited about this because next podcast, mm-hmm. we have Grace Kelly Herbert, who is the most incredible woman I've ever met. Mm. Oh, well, you're an incredible oh. person. <laughs> no, like, I just, but mm, she is no, one yeah, no. of the most incredible yeah. people I've That's... ever met, and uh, her story is is amazing and wonderful. So Good. you got to tune in next week, okay? Looking forward to it. Thanks for tuning in to Victoria Stillwell's Positively Podcast. For more information, visit positively.com. Get connected on Facebook and YouTube as Victoria Stillwell. Or follow her on Twitter, at Victoria S. Be sure to tune in next time as Victoria helps to change dogs' lives positively. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand.
only on PetLifeRadio.com.